0: Thank you for downloading the Engineering Commons podcast. During the course of this episode, we talk about sushi, pizza, beer, whiskey, and rum. But no, we've not turned into a gastroblog. We're still the Engineering Commons. And in this episode, we talk about how to survive the dreaded corporate meeting.
1: The Engineering Commons explores challenges encountered by engineers, regardless of field or industry. Join Adam, Brian, Carmen, and Jeff as they discuss issues
0: of interest to today's engineering professional. This is Episode 121, Idle Doodling, November 28, 2016. So Brian... Do you tend to doodle while sitting in long boring meetings?
2: Uh, I don't do a whole lot of doodling. I generally imagine myself on a beach somewhere with a cocktail.
0: <laughs> and, and exactly what is in the cocktail?
2: Oh, that's whiskey. <laughs> on a whiskey beach, man, or? you got to be doing rum.
0: No no, 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 no. No, no,
2: no. Whiskey sounds better. Whiskey's perfect Whiskey's perfect for any location. Yeah, you're not invited into my my island. <laughs> well,
3: I mean, it's rum. It's served in coconuts, and it's got a little umbrella. That's that's
1: the requirement. If he's drinking whiskey, he's not com- in competition with you for the rum. Doesn't matter. This okay. is a judgment call, Adam. <laughs>
2: Meaning, I'm being judged for liking whiskey, which is a shame.
3: Yes. Oh, no, I like whiskey too, but I mean, you know, context is everything. Am I in a smoke-filled room making a deal, trying to be a hard ass? <laughs> no, I'm on a beach. I want rum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and so uh does this mean, Brian, that you never doodle or just infrequently doodle? I never doodle. Hmm. Okay. Well, see, I'm I'm the opposite. I tend to be a doodler.
2: Really? What do you doodle? You, what do you doodle during a meeting, I should say?
0: Well, it usually uh, – so usually I will have written down some word, you know, that's pertinent to the meeting. And all, then all of a sudden uh, I start, you know, sketching back in and, you know, uh, making sure that I've reinforced each of the letters so that they're neat and they start to look like something you draw in drafting class. And then uh, either, either a box forms around the word or I make – I turn the word into a box and then I start showing 3D, you know, a 3D box – Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll shade the box. Uh, and then I'll start having lines coming out from the box. And usually at this point, if the meetings getting really boring, then I start drawing various boxes and arrows between the boxes.
2: Now it's starting to seem a bit obsessive.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, so I, I was looking, uh, uh as we were, we were sort of talking about, uh, Uh, Beforehand, about, you know, we might uh, talk a little bit about doodling. I found a a site that talked about doodle analysis and interpretation.
2: Oh, no. Is this where they uh, measure the bumps in your head?
0: Yeah, this is it. So I, so the thing it says if uh, arrows represent direction and ambition and drawn aggressively, they represent a desire for action. And I can see that in sitting sitting in certain meetings, I, (laughs) I would want some action to happen.
3: <laughs> what does it say about weird abstracts, faces, and uh, shapes, he said,
0: scribbling in his notebook while we record this? Hmm. Well, let me see. I see 3D boxes. People and faces. Okay. Are they smiley faces or something else? Depends, man. I'm organic. I just let my pen do the talking. Hmm. Are they Are they faces or eyes or mouths or? A
3: little bit of both.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, the interpretation partly depends on whether the face represents the self or someone else. I mean, they they
3: have spiky hair sometimes, so I guess it's me. I forget what did Jung say about spiky hair. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember when Nickelodeon taught me how to draw Hey Arnold, so I still do that once in a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, it's pretty great. And and so are do you tend to be a uh, a doodler, Carmen?
3: Oh yeah, I doodle all the time. I'm a I'm a big doodler. Okay. I I doodle while we record with the podcast. Uh not that you guys don't hold my attention, but I feel like I'm a better listener when my hands are <laughs> occupied. It's it doesn't drive you nuts from clicking open a pocket knife or something, Jeff.
0: Oh, that's true. It doesn't interfere <laughs> with the recording. Right. Well, the uh you know the the uh well I guess we should ask too. Adam, what about you? Are you a doodler? I am, uh although I've gotten a lot better about it. Hmm. In college class,
1: yeah, uh, probably 25% was notes and 75%
0: doodles. Correct. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess the the uh, problem is there's nothing, I guess, wrong with doodling if you're really taking notes. It, it becomes when you become so distracted by creating your doodle that you're no longer paying attention to what's being said. and Somebody calls on you and you go, uh, I don't know. Could you repeat that? Uh, I'm not saying that hasn't happened.
3: <laughs> no, see, I find, and it, this, this is terrible to admit, any potential employers, please cover your ears. Uh, <laughs> if I doodle, I'm all right. I always you know, keep keep the back of my mind listening and I can stay focused on a meeting. Uh, it's mm-hmm. when the meeting goes really off track or I really have no purpose there and I, I pull out my phone and start checking Twitter or whatever. That, that That's when someone will say, and what do you think, Carmen? And I'll go, uh... <laughs> At which point I don't yeah. blame this. I don't blame myself. I blame the system
0: right right so so Brian is the non doodler. Are you better able to stay stay focused on on long meetings?
2: Well, what I'm not imagining tropical beaches yes, <laughs> okay um, it depends if I generally find myself in meetings that I'm supposed to be in. I'm, I'm I, I, Less and less so in my career, am I stuck in meetings that are truly pointless? But maybe that's because I'm not being invited anymore. That's certainly a possibility.
1: I wonder if it's your attitude that they're pointless or...
2: Oh, do you mean if people have picked up that I think that their meetings are pointless and stopped inviting me?
1: Yeah. Nah.
2: I kind of keep those cards close to my chest. <laughs> Except, of course, during podcasts. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> when, knows. When, when you
0: spill your guts so the yes. whole world knows.
2: No. Yeah. No, I have my own little mind spaces that I go to. I'm often thinking about the project while I'm in a meeting, too. Wow. You're you're a dutiful employee. Seriously. Is, like, review time coming up for you soon? Are you trying to get a raise? <laughs> No, but I I would say that my my technical problems always dominate my life in a way that if they exist, that's the only thing I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. I'm just hoping for a period in my life where I don't have that many technical problems. I think
1: that's called retirement. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Yeah, that sounds right.
3: Well, then he just yeah. can't get his 3D VCR to stop blinking twelve all the time. He still has technical problems then.
2: <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> Whatever mean, technology I, does when he retires. Yeah, my my virtual desktop keeps still still keeps bricking, so there's plenty of problems to be solved, I guess.
3: Right. <laughs> How to keep the kids off your lawn and still get to Denny's by four o'clock for the early bird special.
2: <laughs> Paintball guns.
3: <laughs> On turrets. <laughs> Yeah, would be pretty sweet.
0: Uh, Problem solved. Amazing. Well, I was in industry for a number of years, and so I got used to a lot of meetings. And I'm guessing that uh, you know Brian's sort of mid career; he's been in meetings for a long time. But uh, you know, I I try to think back to when I was first uh, introduced to the the corporate meeting and my feelings about that and and what went along. And so Adam and Carmen, you're a little younger in your or a little earlier stage in your career. Do you remember what your first impression was of, of corporate meetings? Oh, that seems like so long ago. I remember. <laughs> I work
1: for the government. I have a lot of meetings. <laughs> i didn't sure know the government was recording this. <laughs> no, I can't
3: say I, I went too hard for or against them, probably because I was too busy trying to figure out how to operate in the corporate world, so I really made sure I focused and You know, listened and took everything to heart and, you know, take excellent notes on everything that was said and try and try and keep my head above water. It wasn't until, you know, I got comfortable in my role that I really started to have an opinion on them. Um, And in general, as we'll get into later, uh, I thought they were pretty good, but they're they're definitely some of these common tropes that people could have avoided. I I ran my meetings much more militant by the time I uh, got a few
0: years into the job. Hmm. And so how early did that happen? I mean, I, I remember early in my career, you know, just very infrequently was I asked to run a meeting or did I have cause to run a meeting? Usually I was just being invited.
3: Uh, it depends. I mean, you know, when it, when we were at, at Intersil when I was there, I was doing a lot of status meetings because I was doing product development work. And mm-hmm. those were called by the product engineer who was kind of overseeing the project, so he'd call together apps, design, test, uh, marketing, whoever else needed to be looped in for that week. And then I would have to attend the meeting and hear everybody give the status. Um, And then not too long after I started, maybe in the first six-ish months, I had to start calling meetings. Um, They weren't status meetings. It was more board reviews and schematic reviews to make sure I was, you know, doing things
0: the right way before I spent money. Mm-hmm. And and did you find any difference? I mean, usually during uh, uh, your college education, you have occasions that you have to meet with a, a project group, that kind of thing. Did it seem different to you in any way or was it just a another group meeting?
3: Yeah, maybe a little more focused because, I mean, you know, usually if you're meeting in college, you're not on a strict time limit, you know, if you're meeting in between classes maybe, but at least I always met later in the evening with any group I was working with. So, if you mm-hmm. ran 15, 20, 30 minutes late, it was mostly because you were shooting the shit and laughing and didn't really matter. But at work, it was a little more directed <laughs> than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What What about you, Adam? You know, I, I was calling meetings pretty early and I think that was um, by intention – you know, just getting me used to realizing what I was going to have to do, and 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 that's I think an advantage of the the training program my employer has for for new engineers. Um, mm. I was probably less than a month in, and I was scheduling meetings with people, and um, it kind of expected to run them.
0: Okay, that's did they give you? Did they give you any training in regard to this, or just say go run a, go schedule schedule a meeting? Oh, my my supervisor kind of gave me some.
1: Direction, but not really training. Uh, you learn by doing. And uh, as you do more of it, you get better at it, hopefully. Well, that's certainly true. <laughs> or you get worse <laughs> at it, one or the other.
2: <laughs> right. Or you conform to established standards. Right. E- e- w- which can be good and could be terrible. Who's
3: conforming? I was getting water because I'm unprofessional and didn't think about that before the podcast. Always rebel.
2: <laughs> we're, we're conforming now. Okay, we're giving in. We're oh, good.
3: becoming the man.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: All right, I'll wear a suit to work tomorrow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Adam had mentioned that uh, early on he was responsible for scheduling these meetings. Uh-huh. Um, so any any insight that we might uh, have, Carmen, on uh, the pro- uh, the process of scheduling a meeting? Yes, put your calendar up on the wall, throw a dart, call the meeting. <laughs> Ooh. Excellent. It's pretty
3: great. It keeps people on their toes. It's a it's a real millennial way of thinking. I wish that would work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it could if you limited your calendar to five work days and you know nine to five. But whatever.
0: <laughs> you know, in this era of email and uh, Twitter and you know Yammer, what are all the other things? Slack. Yeah, Skype. Uh, Skype. So what? what's the better, why have a meeting? I mean, why can't we just uh, record our thoughts? What? What is it about this meeting stuff that where we all have to show up in person? Gee.
3: Or dial in and web conferences. <laughs>
0: right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Necessary evil, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know I necessary. Mean, <laughs> people talking in real time still has, you know, quite a bit of benefit. Uh, There's been many a times during a status meeting that two people who had previously disagreed on something realized, Oh, we actually agree, but we're talking past the other person. So that's actually wrapped Mm -hmm. up. Cool. We can move forward. And in in five minutes you can correct uh, what was previously three days running on an email thread.
2: Right. Sounds like marriage.
0: (laughs) 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 So, so, uh, I I guess, so we could say that there is some value in having a face-to-face meeting.
2: Yes. Oh, definitely.
0: Absolutely. Okay. And,
3: you know, as we'll talk later, you're projecting your data or whatever, and everybody's looking at the same piece of data at the same time, whether it's a scope shot, simulation result, customer Mm -hmm. feedback survey, whatever the hell it may be. You know, you got everybody's attention – on this at one time, so you know they're all looking at it and you could just move forward. Whereas if you send it off in an email, yeah, everybody will eventually get to it, you hope, but it you know, Joe could look at it today immediately and send his response and then Chuck, the VP, could uh <laughs> you know, take two weeks to answer it because he's got four thousand emails in his inbox.
1: Right. Well there's just right. There's so much nonverbal elements to communication that just get lost when you're not able to sit down with the person
0: or people. I I think there's certainly a, an advantage in being able to glance across the table and catch that immediate response. You know, what is the facial expression? What is, you know, there's some nuance in the, in the way their voice and how they're delivering their response. And, uh, there's some of these, uh, sort of micro signaling things that are going on that, uh, uh, are very helpful for understanding the other person's position that you don't always get when somebody has time to consider a, uh, You know, an email where they're trying to you know put on their best face, or or you know, in something like Skype where you 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 know it's not uh, clear enough, or you're not on them long enough to really catch all these subtle uh, signaling cues. I guess Mm -hmm. Hmm.
3: this is also why I like email way better because my first reaction is always one of disgust and pure outrage. (laughs) They want me to do what in what time?
2: (laughs) Right. I actually have to do work at this job. Unreasonable. (laughs) So so you get a chance to not say that with your eyes to somebody's face? Oh, exactly. This is is why I don't play – the only reason I don't play professional poker
3: (laughs) is because I I, I give it away. I have a million tells. Wear my heart on my sleeve. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So uh, in terms of scheduling meetings and everything, one thing I found as we were researching this podcast I thought was kind of interesting uh, it's a post from a couple of years back, maybe '09, I believe, something like that. Yeah, July 2009, from uh, Paul Graham, and he's uh, works with Y Combinator, and he was talking about the makers versus the managers schedule. Um, so, in in his post here, he describes uh, as a manager, it's really easy to schedule a meeting. Uh, Typically, your day is divided into one-hour chunks, so all you got to do is find a free time slot and pencil something in. It's pretty easy. As long as you have the time open, you can do whatever you want with that slot. Um, mm. But as someone who's a, a maker uh, and an engineer on the floor or a designer or whatever, a one-hour meeting can kill your whole day. Um So, for example, if you go on your lunch break from noon to one, you know you have a meeting from two to three. I mean, you can't code or do delicate board rework or prototyping in an hour. Um, You know, it's really hard to get good progress done in that time. You know, you have to get in your mindset, make sure you get the tools, everything like that. Next thing you know, oh, it's about 10 minutes before the meeting. I got to walk my way to the conference room. Um, right, and you know worst case scenario this this can ripple out and affect your whole day uh if you know your afternoon is shot, you may just use the morning for work that's does to, to get done, but not anything critical or ambitious because you don't have that solid half day or more chunk of time to just devote to a project and really work through that tough design problem or you know whatever it is you have to do um yeah. so you just delay the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Now, I don't know, is it just me that, that when I'm in that situation and I've got an hour and I'm not sure whether I'm going to get into the the project or not. And I decide, well, what the heck, I've got an hour. I'll try to get into the project that invariably, when I do that, something goes horribly wrong at about the 45 minute mark. (laughs) And so I've got about five minutes to sort of wrap things up and try to, you know, stabilize it so I can leave for the meeting and then I spend the entire time in the meeting worrying about the problem and what I'm going to do when I get back to it. Mm.
3: See, that's yeah. why you just don't start anything ambitious. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> right. You also never power anything up for the first time on a Friday afternoon. You save it till Monday.
2: Oh, that's a good rule.
3: Yeah. Unless yeah. there's a literal gun to my head. If I get first boards back on a Friday, I power them up Monday. <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> not my problem at that point. It's Friday after lunch. I'm I'm already half checked out anyways. <laughs> if it can wait it will.
0: Right. So so at this point when you're scheduling meetings, are you scheduling mostly with other engineers or with with managers?
3: Uh back at Intersil, it was mostly engineers. Um there there were some managers, but at least most of the managers that I you know, scheduled meetings with were still pretty pretty hands on. It wasn't like I was calling, you know, VPs to the meeting or anything like that. This was you know first maybe second level managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, at TI, I uh, haven't really called too many meetings. Just quick informal ones where I wanted to get my boss and another coworker into the room and just show them something real quick. Um, but this time it's more marketing and. You know, occasionally there's other engineers, but it it's it's a lot of marketing right now, which is very different.
0: And so we d- we do have different types of meetings. You know, we may have a uh, a group meeting or a team meeting. We might have a a marketing meeting. We might have a brainstorming meeting. We might have a status update man uh, for management meeting. Uh, in each one of those types of meetings is is kind of different. Have you have you noticed a different? You know, that you get invited to different types of meetings. I, I know you get d- invited to different types of meetings, but I guess have you noticed a different behavior or a different culture or different norms for the different types of meetings?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, everything's always been pretty relaxed because I'm still just <laughs> a low man on the totem pole, so I'm not going to the big mover and shaker meetings, really. But, um, yeah, there's definitely – A a different tone for a a routine status update versus a design review um, or a a layout review for a PCB board. I mean, Mm -hmm. for a layout review, it's just my direct coworkers and we all work together and know each other pretty well. So it's, it's very relaxed and you're shooting the shit and pointing out stuff at the layout and brainstorming and it's a lot more freeform. As opposed to, and now we will hear from test and design and marketing where it it could still be relaxed, but there's a pace you have to keep and, you know, you got to stay on track more. Right. And all of those have a much different feel than when there's an actual issue and (laughs) there's a little bit of urgency to the air because you have to solve the problem quickly because customers are unhappy. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah, that does seem to be a motivating factor.
3: Yes. Yes. That kind of dampens the fun
0: mood. Right. So, Brian, in the past, you've said that engineers tend to be a little more frank and di- direct, maybe more abrupt with one another uh, because they are willing to fight on technical issues. And I'm wondering if you see that in uh, that behavior in meetings, if you have mostly engineers in the meeting, if, if it's a definitely a different behavior than if you've got engineers and non-engineers in the in the room.
2: Oh, it depends on what the topic. Are we talking about marketing issues or are we talking about engineering issues?
0: Well, uh, give me give me both scenarios well i
2: mean if it's a technical issue is if i do x will y happen i think that uh engineers can be pretty both pretty brutal and pretty honest with each other pretty quickly mm-hmm. um and i think you at least it's been my experience they can develop consensus pretty quick mm-hmm. um i would say if it's a marketing like hey let's Let's plan this product line. Engineers can be just as bad as marketing people, and if not worse.
0: Just as bad in what way?
2: In terms of their style of communication, inability to find common ground, as soon as it becomes subjective. Mm-hmm. But I would also say engineers are generally pretty terrible at marketing. <laughs> By and large, that's I, I, been my experience.
0: Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah, we may need to have a uh, another episode about why that's the case, but yeah, it, I, I I mean I I know that I'm bad at at you know I love technical problems and trying to solve the technical problems, but as knowing as to what kind of products other people want, I haven't a clue. Uh,
2: that was a great, um, I guess, theme at the end of uh, this past season of Silicon Valley, where the engineers had beautifully solved a problem that nobody quite understood. Mm-hmm. And so their big problem was that all of the engineers were giving it rave reviews, but n- no one understood the pr- – n- no no consumers understood what problem they had solved. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. It sounds like something that will, uh, will fail in the market. Yes. Be, laun- be launched with great commercials and great fanfare, but uh, will eventually fail in the market. Yes. Now, that's not all bad for the engineers, right? They got to work on a project they like. It's the business that is unhappy that they spend all that money on something that isn't going to sell?
2: Yeah, but don't as engineers, don't you want to work on something that's going to sell?
0: Yes, of course you do. I'm I'm looking for the silver lining. <laughs> all right,
3: I wanted to, I wanted to close off with uh, Paul Graham's article, so okay, he had sure. an interesting recommendation for how to get around this problem of. You know, destroying your day, and it was something <laughs> yeah. he's done at some of his startups that he's helped coach or run or whatever. And it was you know every engineer instead of you know being at the the whim of management schedules, office hours, for lack of a better word, and you know you pick some amount of time you have to have per week, whether it's four hours, six hours, whatever, and you you budget that block of time, and it's becomes public knowledge, you know whether it's in your email signature or wiki, whatever, and it, everybody knows this is the the four hours I've blocked off for this week, and this this is when I would like meetings, please, so I can be the most productive. And obviously, there are many ways that that would fail,
0: but it's an interesting solution nonetheless. Well, at least nice that he's noticing that that his uh, his technical staff is important to the business. Yeah, uh, and and that their uh, their creativity and and their ability to get into the flow is is important to their production of of things that the company can sell.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely and it it's definitely a step in the right direction. I just it seems like it's something that only works really well for startups and small companies where everybody's typically located in one location. I mean, <laughs> just trying to think about my new job, I have people I talk to all over the world, and there are many thousands of potential people <laughs> I could have to deal with, and if everybody mm-hmm. had to fit around everybody's four-hour blocks, that would
1: be crazy, to say the least. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I would say, though, there there is an opportunity to have some general rules for when to schedule meetings.
3: Oh, like, yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, field staff, uh, I tend to not schedule a meeting with somebody who spends a lot of time in the field after 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. They're showing up at 7, they're Even holding them till for an eight to nine o'clock meeting, that's slowing their day down. Um, You know, get in, get it done, and then let them get back on with their day. You know, look at people's hours and do they have to travel from someplace? Okay, look at what their block is. All right, well, it's going to take them two hours to get here. Really, I need to look at the two hours in advance and two hours after the meeting.
3: Yeah, probably Um, more so than that because that's a giant chunk of time. That's a full day for a meeting almost.
0: Yeah, it is right. So we've we've uh, taken a look a little bit about the various types of meetings we might have, and and some thoughts about uh, scheduling the meetings to be considerate of one another's time. So, are there any uh, hints we might have to running a productive meeting? So many hints. We got the best hints.
2: <laughs> no PowerPoint.
0: <laughs> uh,
3: yes. So I, I think the the number one rule of having a, a meeting is, or running a meeting is have a purpose. <laughs> if if you just want to get everyone together to shoot the shit. I use that expression a lot, this podcast, I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> if you just want to get everybody together for the hell of it, uh, schedule a happy hour at the end of the day. <laughs> don't, uh, don't waste valuable time, you know, getting everybody into a room just to say, I don't really know why I called this meeting.
0: Yeah. So it- I mean, in, in my career, which stretches back a little bit before, uh, you guys, there were some businesses where the meetings happened a lot. There were, you know, just a lot of meetings that didn't seem to have a purpose. And I'm wondering, has that changed with time with, with all this A, uh, reduced staff? There's a lot fewer extra engineers floating around than there used to be at any given business and, and a focus on, you know, time and productivity. Does, do people really call meaningless meetings anymore? Yes.
3: Yeah, I was was just going to say, I I haven't experienced it too much, but I'm sure somebody out there has. I can't imagine it's gone away completely.
2: But useless meetings are like uh, federal pork spending. One person's pork is another person's, you know, essential bridge. You know, so just because it's pointless to you doesn't necessarily mean that it's not the most important consensus building meeting ever to somebody else.
1: Yes. And most of the time they tend to be very large, at least in my experience, large meetings regularly scheduled that it's important to one. Oh person.
2: yes. Yes. Regular scheduled meetings are awful.
1: Yeah. And you have 30 people there who each need to be there for about two minutes, except the three people who scheduled it, who have to be there the whole time.
3: Yeah. I was lucky back to my old job for weekly meetings on chip status, uh, you know, we, we would call off the meeting if there's nothing really to report. Or, uh, you know, like in, in the days before first silicon comes back, well, design's not doing anything because they, they're waiting on the chip. They can't change anything. <laughs> Apps is just waiting. Test is just waiting. So you, you might just send out an email in the morning before and say, you don't have any updates, otherwise I'll cancel. And usually you got, no, go ahead, cancel. We don't care. <laughs> and then, uh, Once the chip comes back and you're validating for the first time, everybody wants results, you know, for the next month or two, you would hold weekly meetings where everybody's given their updates and you needed to have everybody present.
0: Right. So when you say have a purpose, is that, is it important just that you who's running the meeting has a purpose or is, is it important that everybody else knows what the purpose before they show up? Or is it enough just to tell them once they've shown up that here's what I want to accomplish today?
3: Oh, I think you have to send that out before in the, you know, exchange meeting notice or however you set that up at your company is, you know, so everybody knows what to prepare and if they need anything. You know, if you're just saying status update, well then everyone's got to know where their project is. If you just want to say, you know, layout review or design review or validation review, uh that's very important so people know how they have to schedule it in terms of their priority list.
1: Right? Yeah, one of the worst things you can do to somebody is have them come to a meeting and them not be prepared able to be prepared. Exactly. Cuz then that's when
3: you get a lot of the uh silly questions like, you know, why are we here? What does that <laughs> widget do? You know, why did we do this decision and
1: yeah. Right. And a lot of things that could be, oh, well, I have that at my desk or let me go grab that so I can show you um when they probably should have had it, and they would have if they had known. Yeah, yeah. Have a purpose and let everybody know when the meeting is scheduled. You know, and I'd say if it's a, a meeting where you've got a, a lot of managers or it's very hard to schedule, you know, at least give people a couple, a week's notice. You know, I've had to schedule meetings out a month and a half just to schedule the time, but really don't have much of an agenda together yet. Mm -hmm.
3: So, have a purpose Um, also don't invite unnecessary people we've kind of hinted at this already Um, you know if you're doing a deep dive into your architecture of how the machine operates or how the circuit works or you know the 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 detailed fabrication results or whatever you know does marketing really need to be there for that is there anything they can use Um, you know can they just Get the general idea of it from the meeting notes that you should be keeping. Um, you know, free them up to go do something else. And similarly, if it's just apps and design related, does does or apps and marketing, does design really need to be there? If it doesn't impact them, if they have other projects, um, you know, you always got to trade that off and see.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so are, do you think that the meeting should be something like you know they talk about? Uh, Courtroom lawyers—they should never ask a question to which they do not know the answer already. Uh, do, <laughs> should you be calling meetings only when you've sort of communicated with everyone and you've sort of scripted it and said, "Here's what we're going to talk about," and here are going to be the issues, and uh, sort—you kind of have it figured out in advance? Or is—is the, is there some some value for serendipity uh, in the meeting where something pops up that was unexpected, or or somebody goes, "Oh, I forgot that," you know? george called and and you know here's a crucial uh fact that perhaps you didn't know it depends
3: yeah i was <laughs> i was trying to think of a way to work better than that but yeah it, it depends you know it depends on company culture what's expected of you um where i guess in the product stage you are you know if you're you're right before product release and someone pops up with oh hey weren't we supposed to do x like well, shit, does it matter if it comes out in an email or a meeting at that point? it's If it's something you were supposed to do and you forgot it, that's everybody's kind of screwed no matter when it comes out yeah. um, versus whereas if you're still in the definition phase, I would say you probably want more people at the meeting just to get everybody in there to brainstorm a little bit. Yeah. And then you can think something through where if design throws out a, a crazy idea, apps can think about it and say, yeah, we could support that on the board. It won't take too much of a hit and you know, then marketing can say, no, actually, the customers won't want that. They specifically said they want to focus on these areas and you can kill it on the vine, hopefully, before feature creep and all this other stuff, you know, rears its head. But as you get farther along the design cycle, you know, you can streamline things a little more. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say more generally, what's the purpose of the meeting? If your purpose is to get a decision on a specific issue, you probably should have a pretty good idea what everybody's going to say. And if it's more of yeah. a, a early stage working meeting where you're writing a document as a group or, or developing something as a group, then that that serendipity is valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think about the modern tendency in office design to create these open spaces that encourage different (laughs) collaboration (laughs) areas. (laughs) Yes, collaboration areas that, that, you know, where they're looking for people to run into each other and have these encounters, shall we call them, where they share the information uh, that would, you know, uh, speed things along. And so, um, you know, I, I, so I suppose there's a certain value on occasion, if you invite somebody that's sort of out of the normal chain of command to sit in on your meeting because they might have an interesting uh, viewpoint. Uh, But on the other hand, you get, you need to be fairly careful about that. So you're not wasting their time as well as everybody else's time. uh, If, if they don't have something to contribute.
2: Especially if they're a high ranking member of your company, (laughs) because keep in mind, any suggestions they have are not suggestions. Right. Yeah. Did you try X? Well, I will now.
1: <laughs> it, it is a skill figuring out who you need to invite to a meeting and who not to. And, and that does take um, practice, in my opinion.
3: Yeah. It's always nice, too, to have someone you can rely on to double check. Like, hey, boss, I was <laughs> calling that validation review. This is the list of eight people I thought need to be there. Am I leaving somebody off?
0: hmm Yeah. Well, I, I think back to uh, one of the early episodes that we did. Um uh, where we we talk with Greg Wilson from Software Carpentry, and he was talking about the value of peer programming or pair programming, and he said it's really effective, but it becomes less effective as the organizational status of the two people that are working together uh, become more disparate. Uh, they they're one's higher and one's lower in the organization, and I think as you were uh, as you were saying, Brian, it's for this reason that that a a suggestion is no longer interpreted as a suggestion; it becomes a Command.
2: Mm-hmm. You all of a sudden, need to create a a follow-up email of all the things that that person suggested and the <laughs> results associated with each one of those suggestions.
1: Right. Right. Well, and and sometimes that's a, a challenge for the the person higher up in the the organization as well. They may truly be trying to throw out suggestions or ideas. Um, but
0: it, it becomes a less open environment when they're in the room. Yeah, and you, and you said Adam that there's a certain art of knowing who to invite to the meetings and I think that's part of it is that if you invite too high a person in the organization too early, you kill all the uh the creative thought that you you know the the let me just throw something out there for the heck of it and see what sticks. Uh there's much much less of that if you have some high ranking VP or or you know CEO uh sitting in on the meeting. Mhm.
3: Definitely. So What do we got so far? We got have a purpose, no unnecessary people. Number three, keep it on topic. If you, if you schedule the half an hour for a meeting, there's really not a lot of room for, you know, tangents and questions and deep analysis. Um, you know, there's, if you got an hour, great. If you got two hours, you're crazy. Uh, (laughs) maybe plan for a break in there, but, um, you know, you, you have your goal in mind. Keep, keep the meeting generally going towards the goal. Um, I, I recommend, you know, if if a question comes up or a a tangent, you know, starts to spin off, don't, don't be a a dictator and cut it off immediately and slam your gavel on the table or shine a laser pointer at someone's eyes to get them to shut up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know, it might just be a, a good point that you do have to answer that no one thought about, or it might just be a quick question that can get resolved real quick. Uh, but don't. Try not to let it
0: gobble up more than a minute or two unless you, you really need to. Right. So do you, do you have any go-to phrases to make this happen? I've heard people, you know, well, let's take this offline or let's uh, let's pick this up at a later time. Yeah.
3: No, I've, I've generally seen some combination of those two used and nobody really takes offense to it. They generally understand like, okay, yes, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep talking later. Mm-hmm. One thing I've always done is <laughs> I noticed and as I attended other people's meetings, um, you know, if it was something like a, a simulation review or a validation review or something like that of an IC, uh, you know, the the longer you just let something sit on the projector screen without talking to it or moving on, the more mm-hmm random things got popped up, like, is that supposed to happen? Like, oh, yes, that's a well-defined feature. That's how it's always worked, yada, yada. um And, it, you know, it, people try to fill the silence if it's just sitting there. So, you know, if I was presenting something on, like, you know, startup waveforms or something, I would say, okay, here's my startup waveform under nominal conditions and corner number one, two, three, and four. Everything passed, uh... You know, there was nothing abnormal that I found. We met all the specs design laid out. We're not missing any key customer specs. It all works. Uh, does anyone see anything I'm missing?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Let it pause for 10, 15 seconds, and then I, I just move it on and say,
0: okay, I'm going to move on. Right. So when you're setting up meetings like this, uh, do you are you concerned about, say, you've called a 30-minute meeting. I've been to those 30-minute meetings where somebody lists enough topics to cover three days um mm-hmm. so uh, how do how do you how do you judge what's how do you know in advance what's the right amount of time for a topic
3: it's a, it's a good question um i mean i it if i know in advance i'm presenting like the big validation review of a chip then i i'll, I'll schedule an hour and a half two hours and just say this is the big validation review mm-hmm. uh you know bring bring your a game and in a, a drink of water or something. <laughs> uh, if it's just a, a PCB board spin and I'm doing it with, you know, the guys in the next cube over or whatever, um, you know, I'll I'll just say like, you know, half hour, 45 minutes. Hey guys, uh, we may not need the full time, but just in case we spot something, uh, I want it on the calendar. I uh, just want you to look over my board and make sure I didn't make any dumb mistakes. Right. It, it, it part of it comes from experience too, you know. If, if you're new to a job, you'll be leaning on your boss uh, to kind of guide you. But then, as you come into your own as an engineer, you know you'll you'll get a fear for how long things should take.
0: All right. I think that's probably true. I, I was noticing in, in preparation for this uh, episode, the uh, I came across a uh, an ignite talk where uh, Nicole Steinbach. Uh, talked about holding a 22 minute meeting. Her, her point was, if you schedule for a 22 minute meeting, then if it goes a few minutes over, that's not a big deal. But uh, for those that are, you know, I don't know about your days, but I would typically have like a one to a one thirty, and a one thirty to two, and a two to two thirty. And I was always, I was always late to everything, but the first meeting because the first meeting would go from one, and it wouldn't stop at one thirty; it would stop at one thirty-five, and then it would be late to that one. And so the next meeting would go to two ten, and mm-hmm. so I just, you know, was late even later at each meeting that went on during the day. And her point was, if you, if you limit the topics and try to get to the, you know, to the heart of the, the matter, uh, get done in 22 minutes, then you, you have time to hit the bathroom, grab a drink and, and get to your next meeting on time. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. I don't know how she came up with the the 22 minutes, but her point was that nobody watches a 30 minute television show in 30 minutes anymore. They all Tivo it and then skip the commercials. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> twenty-two minutes. All right. Well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, unfortunately, Outlook uh, only does I think fifteen-minute increments. Well, you're, you can still schedule a thirty-minute meeting. Just plan on get being done in twenty-two. True. Yeah, because otherwise, someone will schedule something for
3: one twenty-three, then, and you'll be <laughs> you'll be in the same problem, same boat again. That's right. All right. So, have a purpose. No unnecessary people. Keep it on topic. Uh, Number four, uh, I put this one in there. Get there early and set up the room so you can start the meeting on time. If I was calling a meeting, I got there 10 minutes before, made sure the laptop plugged in, the stupid projector was on the right input. Uh, (laughs) It was actually displaying what I wanted it to in focus. Um, You know, I had... The documents I opened, I needed opened up, you know, whether it was uh, an email from a customer, an Excel file, the PowerPoint, some schematics, the board file, you know, whatever. Uh, and I, I was good to go. I had my mind centered, you know, so if someone asked a question, I didn't have to dig through folders and find out what they were looking for or the waveform. I could just had it at my fingertips. Um, you know, I had mm-hmm. my, my favorite mouse there, you know, whatever you need. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, if you call the meeting and you're running it, you're you're the one who's got to make sure it starts on time and you're the ringleader. If everyone knows, like, oh, when Jeff calls a meeting, he doesn't show up until 105 when he called it for 1 o'clock and then he's got to screw around with his laptop and I'll just get there at 115. Yeah. You know, you got to set the tone. Be the
0: change you want to see in the world. <laughs> right. Well, so now that's easy for – as a lecturer these days, that's easy for me because when – my, my lecture period starts at 1130. I have my, my uh, phone there on the, uh, the lectern in front of me and I have it counting the seconds. I adjust I have a little app that shows me the seconds. So when we hit eleven thirty zero zero, I start the lecture so that we start on time. But that's very easy because I'm doing the talking, you know, the students are either there or they aren't there. Uh, but in meeting situations where you, if, You know, you can sometimes start without everybody there, but sometimes the key players aren't there. Uh, So then what do you do and how long do you wait?
3: Uh, I haven't called enough meetings in my new job to figure that out yet. (laughs) But at uh, at Intersil, because most of the people I talk to are in the same building, we would send a runner to go round people up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, You don't just page them.
3: There were no pagers, no, and it was a small enough office that you could. Oh no, no, no. I meant like the
2: intercom. We
3: the didn't
0: have a Page of
2: shame. Oh, I wanted one so badly. So and so, please report to the meeting, first notice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> first notice. so <laughs> oh, that's good.
3: Yeah, no, I imagine I would page somebody if I had that ability, but I, I haven't yet.
0: Have you texted anybody? Say, hey, show up. The meeting's going
3: uh occasionally, yeah, but i I don't have every one of my coworkers' numbers, so yeah, you can only do that once in a while.
2: Just send them really bizarre summations of what was being decided <laughs> at the meeting they skipped.
0: That's a good point, yeah, right, or or make sure that they are assigned all the action items,
2: yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah, and I mean that some of that's on you, you know you could set a good example by getting you to your meeting room and hope the meeting that precedes yours ends on time. Uh, and you can kick them out and no install your conference room in the meantime, even though you reserved it now look, damn it. <laughs> um, but but some of it falls onto a company culture thing too. You know, If you're the only one who's demanding meetings start on time, but the other 150 people don't care, well, you're fighting an uphill battle then. You-
0: or or demanding that meetings finish on time. Because yeah. a lot of times the problem is the, the pre- people in the conference room don't get out of there until five minutes into your time.
3: That's true too, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a company culture thing too. You know, you got to set a good example, but it some of it's on everybody else too.
1: Yeah, and, and usually, it ends up being the manager who's the person who has the is busiest, who is running ten minutes late, who also happens to be the person you absolutely needed because they're the
0: ones who had to make the decision. Mm-hmm. True. And and so, what's the uh, current policy on checking mobile devices? Uh, in the in the 22-minute uh, meeting uh, presentation, uh, one of the things that was recommended was that uh, uh, no laptops or, you know, mobile devices were allowed except for the presenter and the note taker uh, so that you were focused and get, could get done in 22 minutes. Is that ever done these days or pretty much everybody's, you know, every time that they get a text, they're going to check it?
3: I haven't seen that done, but I don't know. Maybe it's a, you know something other companies do, but I've always seen people pull out their phones if they're a manager to check an email or have their laptop or, you know, mm-hmm. if it's a status meeting that they only have to talk for two minutes at, they'll, they'll be typing away the other
1: 58 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do try to bring my phone to meetings, but it's, it's not that it's lots of times there'll be something that comes up that, Ooh, I can check this reference real quick and I can, you know, let's, well, let's look back to it and I can look up, uh, the document on my phone and and, and verify something. Mm-hmm. Um and that I think actually improves the efficiency because then I don't have to go back to my office and say, well, here's what this thing said. So um and have to have a follow-up email.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I've always tried to go
3: to a meeting with just my notebook so I could take my own notes. And before the meeting starts, I will send anything that I want to talk about to the presenter and say, hey, you know, Jim, this is for today's meeting. Uh, Here's the two waveforms I took that I thought looked a little funny. Please put them up when it's my turn to speak.
0: That's very proactive of you.
3: Yes. (laughs) And then that way I know they have it. They know I want to talk about it. So they know to call on me during the meeting. It won't slip their mind. And then instead of fumbling with, well, let me shoot this to you right now and hope you get it. And, oh, my phone's acting up and I don't know, yada, yada. They have it right in the email just throw the email up on the screen.
0: Okay, so you you tr- in addition to uh, you know trying to keep the the meeting running on time when you're running the meeting, uh, you're trying to make sure that it runs smoothly while you are a participant in the meeting. Yes.
3: Yes, good meeting manners are important for everyone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's very thoughtful Carmen.
3: Hey man, I'm just trying to get back to my desk and take a nap underneath, like a stanza does. <laughs> I don't, I don't have, to have all this time to be sitting in meetings,
0: right? Right. right. Well, so so you mentioned Carmen that you uh, take notes, or uh, do you do you find most of your coworkers are taking their own notes, or do you wait for a uh, you know whoever's appointed to be scribe to take notes?
3: Um, in the meetings I've been in, uh, typically whoever calls the meeting is taking notes as well. Um, none of the ones I've attended have been this fast paced where you need a separate note taker. It's usually relatively relaxed and you know, it, it's not going so quick where one person can't keep up with presenting and taking notes. Uh But no. I always like to have at least, you know, a scrap of paper or my notebook to write in so I can take any notes that maybe aren't relevant to the, everybody at the meeting as a whole, but I need to know about. Right. So that that's something else you should keep in mind as you're running a meeting. Uh, take notes and send them out afterwards so everybody has a summary of the meeting. Um, you know, and whatever method works for you, if it's easier for you to write them down and then type them up later so they can be organized or to use OneNote or, I don't know, whatever whatever system you find helpful, uh, you know, just make sure they get sent out afterwards.
0: Right, right. I, I think that's the important part is make sure they get sent out afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It's
3: important to have a record so everybody's on the same page of what came out of the meeting, Uh, which ties in nicely to the final tip that we have is send out an action item. Um, (laughs) Merlin Mann, uh, Internet famous podcaster, uh, he has this thing he harps on and for good reason, too, is if nobody walks away from the meeting with something to do. And why the hell did you even call the meeting? Uh, again, going back to number one, have a purpose. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, something crazy like, you know, violate the second law of thermodynamics. <laughs> Go back in time and, you know, prevent us from slipping in the schedule so damn much. Uh but there should be some action that comes out of the meeting, you know, whether it's to go simulate something or double check the math, you know, take a measurement, call a vendor, follow up with somebody else, put together a slide deck for the presentation to the higher ups. Um, you know, hey, that side point that you guys were going off on a tangent about, like, that's a deliverable. So go figure out if that's actually an issue and, you know, have it due next meeting. Mm-hmm. Um You know, it's important to have the deliverables and a a, a due date on them so people don't just brush it off as, yeah, whatever. You know, make them responsible. Assign a person to it and a
0: due date. Right. Yeah, it gets easy to say, well, we're going to have another meeting in a week or two. So we'll just go to the meeting and and figure it out in a week or two. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) It's like punting.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. So typically
3: when I've sent out a summary, I'll say, you know, you know, the, I'll have a notes section about what we talked about. And then at the end or sometime depending on, or in front of that, because sometimes people look at the summary, they'll just look at the action items, (laughs) you know, I'll have action items and it'll be number one, you know, uh, design. Do you see this bug in simulation apps? Uh, you know, try to reproduce it again on a second board, you know, test. Does this show up on the automatic tester? uh, you know, and you know, sign whoever the engineer is for design apps and test to that and you know, send out your results uh as they come in or you know, bring it up at the next status meeting on Wednesday or whatever. Right. And you know, some sometimes you gotta just do the best you can if you're calling a meeting and you know, you know, your marketing guy's got seven hundred projects going on and you'd really like that customer feedback so you had a little more, you know, certainty that you were building the right features um if you're not somehow directly in charge of him you can you can only do so much for other people uh to get them to do right. this stuff so at least have it documented that you wanted this so you can cover your ass right, <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Right. Because it certainly, it certainly as a young engineer, oftentimes you can ask people to do stuff, but you're not in a position to demand that they do things. Exactly. So if they don't volunteer to assume an action item, you may be, uh, you may have to settle for something less than full commitment. Um, so if everybody behaves themselves and cooperates and says, yes, let's rah rah, let's go, let's get them, uh, that's all good. But I have been in an, a meeting or two where things pretty much devolved into a shouting match. What? So have you guys been in meetings like that? Thankfully,
3: not really. People have disagreed, but you know, after a couple of minutes, you know, whoever's running the meeting usually says, "All right, well, again, action item. Figure out who's right. You know, come back with your analysis <laughs> and say we should do it x. You know, way number one or way number two.
2: Right. I've had a few, but I don't want to relive them. Yeah. <laughs> they generally involve months worth of baggage.
3: <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I remember hearing stories. I'm sure if we got Todd Nelson back on here, uh, you know, he could tell you stories about the old old time days where people would get really passionate about their designs and scream and yell. And I, maybe that happens, but I don't know. People want to do a good job that I've worked with. But at the end of the day, it's it, it's a job. and. <laughs> You know, you, you got to learn to take criticism pretty well. People are going to try and poke holes in your idea. That's why they're the engineers working with you. They want the same goal, and hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're fighting over whose fault it is for, you know, a field failure or something, well, you know, get, get it out of your system quick. Because at the end of the day, the CEO or whoever's in charge of, you know, keeping you on isn't going to care in the end. <laughs> right. Who exactly right. did it is why didn't it get get solved?
0: Right. Well, I guess I've been in some meetings where usually these were meetings with customers who were upset for some reason with the way thing, you know, a project had proceeded. But but you could feel the, you know, you could feel the tension when people are upset or they're irritated. You know, you can feel the tension, and and the meeting would start. There'd be the, you know, the introductions, and there would be the, you know, here's here's the our understanding of the situation. It would be laid out, and sometimes these things would, you know. Uh, work themselves out my I think I mentioned on an earlier podcast that usually if when you're getting criticized for something that that if you can make it through about 45 minutes the worst is over because people can't stay in an animated state of angry for more than about 45 minutes they eventually wear out and then you can <laughs> have a more civil discussion as to what the you know what the real heart of the matter is but it sometimes it takes that long for somebody to get the anger out of their system yeah uh, but I have seen a couple of where these things just, they sort of, you know, the, the emotion is so built up. And it's never the emotion over the technical things, right? It's always the emotion of the money that's lost or the opportunity lost or the, uh, you know, the frustration with having to deal with the, with the problem that, that sort of boils over. And now there's some fairly sharp accusations. And, um, if you're in the meeting at the time, it's never fun. But as a, you know, you want to sit back and sort of, uh, observe uh, and see what's going on. And uh, so that does make it, uh, you know, I, I sometimes I wish I had a, a videotape that I could go back and replay and, and try to figure out exactly uh, how these emotions boil over and exactly what the triggers are that make it either happen or not happen.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, neither you, uh, Brian or Carmen, you guys obviously don't have very many meetings with contractors or the public. No,
2: not at all. No. <laughs> no. I know those can be fun.
1: Well, they not all of them are are bad, but you know, they they tend to be very emotionally charged. Um and sometimes they sometimes you just got to sit there and and listen to them. As Jeff was saying, just let them go.
3: And oh, god, uh, I couldn't even imagine. At least if, you know, it's a marketing guy or somebody they work for your company and have a general idea of what your job is, but man couldn't imagine just any Joe you off the street being able to yell at me, <laughs> unless I'm over-exaggerating it, and that doesn't happen. But
0: Oh, I think it happens from time to time.
1: Yeah. I mean, not, not necessarily often, but it, it happens.
0: Yeah, once is too much for me. Okay. So if, uh, if we've uh, done our job, we've invited the right people, we've been on time, we've been prompt, we've taken notes, uh, we've uh, determined action items at the end. Is there anything else that we should be doing to uh to make sure we have effective meetings? Donuts always increase attendance.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and beer.
3: Yeah, donuts, beer, snacks, you know, whatever works. If it's that important, you know, sweeten the pot. People will get there on time.
2: And then expense it. <laughs> Catering is more persuasive than math. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Don't schedule meetings Later early, especially late in the day, if you don't know the person's schedule, I hate 3.30 meetings. That's when I leave the office. Or over lunch.
2: And also, if you work across multiple yeah. time zones in countries, no one lunches <laughs> in the time zone with which you're scheduling.
3: Yeah. And sometimes things come up, but at least try to keep it balanced. Or if you have one meeting that has cut into somebody's lunch, maybe schedule the next one on yours to show like, hey, we're all in this together. <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not just doing it to make you
2: mad, absolutely mm-hmm.
1: or if or if you're scheduling a meeting over lunch, try to get it catered. that's true
3: too, but if you're all in separate sites, like we were talking about you know different time zones, yeah, no that's uh, easier said than done, <laughs> yep, but yeah, lunch meetings aren't bad when there's there's food involved. I don't mind then
0: it's amazing how cheap pizza is, and there's usually coupons too surely the company does not make you pay for the pizza.
3: No, no, usually when I, when I would have to call a lunch meeting, which I think happened two, maybe three times in the the five years I was at my first job. Uh, it was always just, you know, you got approval to a, have a lunch meeting. Um, and then you, you just went and told, you know, uh, the, the woman who took care of all that stuff, the office manager, like, Hey, uh, here's the invite list. These people can come to you and order lunch. Uh, Please don't order from the same damn sub shop we always order from. (laughs) Let's let's change it up a little bit. And uh, yeah, hope hope for the best. And then they all get ordered from
1: the same places always?
3: She probably had kickbacks or something, man. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Or it was just easier.
3: Yeah, that too. I'm sure there were reasons. But man, even a free lunch loses its luster once in a while when it's always from the same place. Yeah. I I get why you wouldn't have, you know, some weird, you know, sushi or something that polarizes a lot of people. But there's plenty of options everybody can at least agree on for a free work lunch.
0: Right. Right. Although, these days, there are a lot of people with dietary restrictions, and you have to keep that in mind, too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I was never hosting, like, a 40-person meeting or anything. If I was doing a lunch meeting, it was six or seven people, so – it's pretty easy to order one vegetarian meal or whatever was needed. Right.
0: Okay, so we've we've uh, scheduled the meeting. We've ordered the right food. We've got people to attend. Anything else we should uh, discuss about meetings? I don't
3: know. And risk turning this podcast into a, a meeting that goes on for way too <laughs> long. <laughs> Damn it, we've scheduled an hour. We should be done in an hour. It's a, it's a we- big, big meta joke here.
2: <laughs> we'll be concise. Yeah.
3: We'll all just start nodding off here at the computer and
2: just let the re- recording go for three hours and see who stays to the end. Mm, that would
0: that would be cruel.
2: There'll be a secret, secret bonus track when we all wake up. Yes, yes. <laughs> the after credit <laughs>
0: podcast or
2: something.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, it might be more than three hours if that's the plan. <laughs> I yeah, I'm sure one of us
3: will slip off our hands and hit the keyboard and wake the rest of us up.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, what do you think uh call this one done and uh put a bow on it? Sounds good for me. I'll uh, send out the action items.
3: Every everybody is supposed to donate uh 20 bucks to the podcast and <laughs> your your free slices of pizza will be in the mail. N- no. <laughs> you, you don't want to order the pizza if every all our listeners sent us twenty dollars.
0: No, I would I would lose money on the delivery costs. Well, we
3: would use a portion of that twenty dollars. Domino's has always got some kind of crazy deals. <laughs> just order online and you know send it over to whoever, and just a random order of cheesy bread comes to your door. <laughs> uh, no, <sighs> man, we're, we're never going to grow at this rate, Jeff. <laughs> I know. This is is that heated meeting. I'm going
2: to start slamming my fist and I'll wake up my wife. If your fist doesn't work, uh, pull your shoe off and start banging it on the table. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
0: you know, we have these problems every time we start discussing the vast amount of wealth brought in by this podcast. It's true. It's clearly going to our heads. (laughs) Must be.
3: Uh (laughs) We're going to have a behind the music special at some point.
1: <laughs> there's an awful lot of new number, zeros on that. Yeah, <laughs> leading zeros on the, but, you know, on the wrong side well, of the decimal point.
3: <laughs> <laughs> in fact, we sent out a few microphones to people, so there's there's negative numbers in this.
0: Yeah, that's true too. That's true too. Mm-hmm. But but the good news is that our listeners don't have to listen to us talk about uh, advertisers yeah. or beg them to donate money. God, if I hear another damn Squarespace ad.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm purposely not buying a Casper mattress I'm just going to get some rocks and sleep on those next time I need a new sleeping surface
0: <laughs> right right well tell you what why don't we uh, wrap this up and and go uh, all uh, contemplate uh, the uh, how we're going to spend the, the vast riches that this podcast has brought us alright great it's been fun and uh, we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks alright take it easy guys
1: See you guys. Bye. The Engineering Commons is produced in affiliation with Big Beacon, a social movement for transforming engineering education. For more information about the podcast you've just heard, please visit theengineeringcommons.com. Our musical introduction is by John Trimble and our concluding theme by Paul Stevenson.